Traditionally, serial killers tend to be men. It's hard to imagine the fairer gender being vicious, bloodthirsty, gruesome killers. And more often than not, that is actually true. While male serial killers tend to be hands-on and elbow-deep in blood and guts, female serial killers tend to be more subtle, using subterfuge and poisons. But make no mistake, female serial killers are just as cold and heartless and are more than capable of taking the lives of those closest to them, including their own children. Y'all listening to old-timey crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. Hey, it's old-timey crimey. I'm Christy. I'm Scott. And I'm Amber. We are here, back with you again this week, in your ears, with the pandemic and everything, and it's No, just no, that's not how it's spread. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're up your nose with the pandemic? No. That's how that's, they test. Yeah. That, okay, so we're, we're, we're doing a good thing then. We're doing a public service. <laughs> up your nose. We're up your nose. That's not how you're supposed to put the earbuds, guys. Come on. Figure it out. If you turn up the volume, it works just as well. <laughs> you get that nice vibration in your teeth, mm-hmm. too, you know? Absolutely. So what are our rays of light this week? What have you got, Scott? I, um, there's a transformer. That's near and dear to my heart because my mom, uh, long story short, my mom actually bought it for me one year for Christmas as an adult. And it was one of the last Christmas gifts she ever got me. Uh, it's, it's Piranicon. It's like these, uh, it's these six uh, sea life uh, robots that just all combine up into one giant robot. And I have started to collect the modern versions of them. They, they re-released them in a more modern aesthetic and I'm sitting here staring at him and thinking of my mom and it's just, it's, it's sweet. I miss my mom and it feels good to have like something that reminds me of her. Unfortunately, I had to pay for this myself. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Amber? Um, not exactly a ray of sunshine. Um, so my, my four year old has MRSA again. Oh my gosh. Um, but my ray of sunshine with this, aside from the fact that she's had it before and we knew exactly what to do and what it was, um, is we had to do a doctor's appointment. And with all of the stuff going on, this was the best doctor's appointment I have ever had. It was done by like a video chat. It was the first time the doctor has ever been on time. It was incredible. And I hope that they keep this process for a long, long time. So um, we were in and out within four minutes. Nice. It was incredible. Like, I, I really want the doctor's office to continue doing this. And uh, basically, it was explained to me that if they did the video chat and felt like they needed to see you in person, then you could come in. But um, most of the appointments can be done just over the video chat. So it was, uh, it was actually outstanding. And within four minutes, she had already called in my scripts to the pharmacy to go get them. And it just, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. No touching people. No being in the waiting room with a bunch of sick kids. Like, it was awesome. That is incredible. Really That's cool. fantastic. Yeah. I know. It was so cool. So I hope they keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think tell 
telemedicine will will, will uh, continue to be big even after all this is over because we're starting to discover that it is a good idea and it is convenient. And even even in times of not pandemic, you know, just regular old flu season, it's it's it helps to not spread disease by going to places where people specifically go with diseases. How about you, buddy? What's your uh, ray of sunshine this week? Well, I mentioned last week that my ray of sunshine was the uh, idea of hitting 10,000 downloads on my birthday. We didn't quite get there. We were just a few off, but by the next day, we had hit it, and we are now at, uh, I can't even see the full number because it's like 10.1K. 10, 10. So that's, I know, girl. right? Very exciting. We've so, invaded a lot of ear holes. So many ear holes invaded. So thank you guys so much uh, out there listening for helping us get there. And we hope uh, you're looking forward to the next 10,000 listens. And thank you guys for being here with me. I'm also thankful. And this podcast itself is a ray of light. Uh, the Doing the research, uh learning all, all these really interesting things, getting to spend time with you guys week by week, even though, you know, we're far apart and having this sort of common goal of uh, bringing information and some entertainment to people. I just really, uh, I look forward to it every week. And I, I thank you guys so much for, for being, uh, being on this crazy ride with me. Absolutely. Aww. I love, I love doing this. The, and, and the bonus to this, this is, this is not a, a thing where it's like, Oh, I met Christy and Amber because uh, I decided to do this podcast. No, these two women are some of my closest friends. Amber is my best bud. I married Amber and her husband. Christy, I've known for years. I am great friends with her cat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he misses you so much. I miss him. I miss him. Uh, so, yeah, this is this has not just been a success. It's been a joy. And I'm so, so pleased to be a part of it. Yeah, so happy, uh, happy one year anniversary and Yay. happy ten thousand. <laughs> Yay! So uh, somebody who didn't have a lot of anniversaries. Now she is, had a ton. No, is... but not that the other party. She went to was see. the only one that was celebrating, but she had a ton. That is true. That is true. She <laughs> didn't get to. She didn't celebrate them with the other party. So that would be Lida Southard, also known as Lida Trueblood. That is who we were talking about this week. She was born on October sixteenth, eighteen ninety-two. Now, her name was. Hold either... on. <laughs> I have a list of her names. Oh. My gosh. Well, wait, the, 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 are you including the married names? Uh, some of them. Also, some of them uh, nicknames from the press. And um, actually, most of them nicknames through the press. She's actually born Anna Elizabeth Trueblood. And she got the nickname Lida. And I'm thinking that's one of those cases where maybe a sibling couldn't say her name couldn't say like maybe they because I also saw Anna Eliza in one case in an old newspaper um so couldn't say or maybe they just called her Liza short for you know Elizabeth or Eliza Anna maybe. Eliza sounds like a webcam model's like name <laughs> really does was, that's a cam girl for sure my middle name and my first pet <laughs> now I'm gonna stick this up my ass <laughs> but yeah um she was she did have a lot of siblings. She was the third of, depending on where you look, seven or eight. I actually so, got six was the one that I kept seeing. 
Well, I saw that but, she like, had six siblings, and but then there was one yes. newspaper account that said she had seven, so I wasn't sure. And that was one that talked like directly to her parents, so I wasn't sure oh. if maybe history. It's another one of those cases where history doesn't record like a, a stillbirth or a, a child who died as a toddler or something like that. Yeah, now see, um, this case was interesting because almost every single article I came across had completely different information from the one before it. Yes, oh, my thank you. God, yes. <laughs> Finding the truth was such uh, an adventure. <laughs> I'm it not was. even certain it, this woman existed. Well, no, there there are certain things that I did do a deeper dive into to verify dates. I spent way too uh, much time on Find a Grave, and I know you did too, Amber. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because Find a Grave was, it was as a source and I was like, to, yep. <laughs> to, to verify some of the dates, especially with the picture of the gravestone, you can be like, oh, they for sure died here. Okay, great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was very, very handy. Thank you, Find a Grave. Just because there's a stone on top doesn't mean that the grave is filled with a body. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be as long as the stone is accurate. That's all yeah. we care about. <laughs> so this was a, a uh, in in. Keatsville, Missouri. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, it could be Catesville, but it's spelled K-E-Y, so I'm spelling it like Key Keatsville. A few notable residents. Uh, a few notable Ooh. people are from Keatsville. We have Jane Hadley Barkley, who was wife of the U.S. Vice President Albin Barkley. Uh, we have Cal Hubbard, who is a member of both the Pro Football Hall of Fame the NFL Top 100, and the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Wow. We have Sterling Price, the Missouri governor and Confederate general. That would have been a scandal today. And Maxwell D. Taylor, U.S. Army general and diplomat. Ooh, fascinating. Yeah, lots of... It's amazing when you have these tiny little towns and you have all these famous people, you know, that come from them. And then you look at, like, around here, we've got in this general region, like, what, two? You know, <laughs> we got well, we've got Stan Ditko, who created Spider-Man. Uh, so Spider-Man's actually from Johnstown. Live with that world. Um, <laughs> we have the Weasley guy from the Police Academy movies. If and you can't remember his name, I don't think he qualifies. I remember I remember he was on Saturday Night Live. If you're on Saturday Night Live, yeah. you've done something with yourself. True. It was that not necessarily. It was that weird time in Saturday Night Live whenever Anthony Michael Hall was a member, and so was Randy Quaid. Remember that? I do. No, <laughs> I don't. I think Robert Downey Jr. was a member of Saturday Night Live at that point as well. Wow, I don't think I remember that at all. Yeah. Are you and... sure you weren't on something, Scott? Hold on. If here. We were just talking about Salvia earlier. Are you sure you didn't try some? Let's see. Anthony Michael Hall, Saturday Night Live. So we're going to see here. Uh, so Anthony Michael Hall was on Saturday Night Live, uh, 1985 to 86. Randy Quaid was on Saturday Night Live. Let's see here. 1985 to 86. And let's see here. Robert Downey Jr. was on Saturday Night Live. 1985 to 1986. Yeah, I think I actually qualified as a toddler, so I wasn't watching much SNL. Um, I was one and a half. See, so. everybody remembers. Everybody remembers, like, you know, Bill Murray. Everybody remembers Will Ferrell. Nobody remembers that Iron Man was on Saturday Night Live with the nerd. From, okay, uh, all right. 
With his past history, do you think he remembers? No. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Like, Probably he's going to be stunned whenever he listens to this. Hi, Rob. I know you listen. <laughs> All right. So if he's listening, I'm sure he would like us to actually kind of circle back. No. Beyond, beyond my first bullet point. He's very <laughs> egotistical. He loves this part. Trust me. Well, if, um, yeah, her, if he's listening, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she was uh, part of a, a farming family. So there were some sources that say they were poor, but there are some sources that say that they did okay. Um, and But they were known to be devout church-going folk, you know, like nothing, uh, no, no big skeletons in the closet, although she would eventually become a skeleton in the closet. So, um, so they, in 1907, so uh, she was born in 1892, so she was about 15, they moved to Twin Falls, Idaho. Now, I, not having spent much time in the Midwest, I have such a, a, a I don't really think about the distances, you know. Um, I did. I looked it up on the map. The distance from Keatsville to Twin Falls. It's thirteen hundred miles. Yeah, that's like a third of the width of America. And by the way, Twin Falls, Idaho, home to Christina Hendricks, my future ex-wife. <laughs> Lovely, <laughs> Twin Falls. She's got some twins. Oh my um. God, she does. <laughs> God bless America. She's also a very excellent actress, so we should also, like, you know, stop objectifying for at least a half second. Wait, um, she acts? <laughs> <laughs> so they moved there, interestingly enough, some say, uh, after seeing a photo of a man holding an apple the size of a cantaloupe that was grown near the town. Um, I think probably this photo was probably in an article about how they were, like, doing, like, land you know, giving away land or giving it, you know, away for, for really cheap. That was probably the article, but that, that the, the apple the size of the cantaloupe definitely figured in. I would move any place where apples grew the size of cantaloupes. You could make two pies off one apple. Exactly, yeah. And now another interesting thing about Twin Falls, or a couple interesting things, um, there were some excavations near there that found some of the oldest human artifacts in North America. Really? Easy, yes. And actually, also, many of us, though we don't know it, have been to Twin Falls. And we possibly died of dysentery there because it was part of the Oregon Trail route. I never made it that far. <laughs> I really did. I, only made like, it I left and died. That's what happened. Was there an option to murder your party? Because if so, I think that Amber took that option. No, like, I, I always forded the river and I usually drowned them all. I was just going to say, all right, so this river is 18 feet deep in the middle, and, and it's going very fast. Ford away, motherfucker. <laughs> Fortune favors the bull. I fucking died. <laughs> <laughs> that is me every time I play. <laughs> Let, I let's, love it. I let's love talk it. about the most awesome thing to ever happen to Twin Falls, Idaho. 1974. Evil Knievel tries to jump the Snake River Canyon on a steam-powered rocket. Keyword tries. Mm-hmm. It did not work. <laughs> High winds and a premature parachute deployment stymied that whole operation. Premature parachute display deployment equals Is that the name of I'm, shitting, video? I'm shitting my pants and don't want to die. So we're ending this now. <laughs> Um, also, uh, interestingly, maybe using, using a loose, uh, definition of the word, the town is actually laid out northeast to southwest and northwest to southeast, the roads. So, like, 
uh, it basically, and this is only like the original section of town. The rest of it is just your standard roads. Some of them are north to south. Some of them are west to east. Some of them are just curvy. But this one section of town, all the roads are diagonal. And supposedly, some say it's so that every house gets some sunlight at some point during the day. So I found that, um, again, well, and loosely... I, I, uh, I love that idea because if you think about it that way when you're driving, the sun won't be directly in your eyeballs. Yes, I hate that. That's the worst. It's like, who thought of this? Why weren't you looking at where the sun was? Come on. So the True Blood family, uh, they grew clover, beans, and peas. And they had 80 acres of their own and rented another 80. And then in 1912, at about 20 years old, uh, Lida married Robert Dooley. Now, he was one of seven children, although only six were alive at this point. And his family was from the same town in Missouri. And they might have even come to Idaho together with the True Bloods. And uh, there are some sources that say that maybe uh, Robert Dooley and Lida were childhood sweethearts, which is kind of sweet for about uh, about three years. Two years. One day <laughs> three I'm going to yeah. murder him for money. Oh, boy, she really has it bad, guys. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. <laughs> oh, puppy love. It's so cute. He'll be rotting in his grave while I spend his money. <laughs> it's just a crush. Don't get over it. So they have one daughter, Lorraine, in 1913, and they're living on a ranch in Twin Falls. And Bob's brother, Ed, moves onto the ranch to help them. And in 1915, Ed took out a life insurance policy for himself, and he named his brother and sister-in-law, that would be Robert and Lida, the beneficiaries. Never name the people you love as the beneficiaries on your life insurance policy. Should it be my enemies? (laughs) No, just a a random stranger. (laughs) I'm the beneficiary on yours, Scott. Yeah, this is true. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) You're a random stranger, Amber. (laughs) I guess. Damn. (laughs) I I honestly forgot I made Amber my beneficiary. No offense, Amber. If uh, if things work out well with uh, with the new girlfriend, I may change that. (laughs) I know. And I'm totally cool with that. (laughs) And then what do you know? In August 1915, he gets sick. Uh, it's, he's diagnosed with potomane poisoning, which is actually just basically food poisoning. Is it's it only... potomane or is it just tomane, like it, psychology? It, pterodactyl. It <laughs> might be tomane uh, because when I went to search for it, one of the like related queries was what is tome poisoning, but spelled T-O-M-A-Y. All right. I've got a dictionary up here. We're going to listen to it. Tomaine. It's tomane. All right. So tomane poisoning. Uh, he was 41 years old, and there was 2,000 in life insurance uh, on the line when he died. That's 50,000 nowadays. And Lida claimed to his father that he got sick after eating, some say, um, some bad salmon. And then straight from his father's mouth, actually, he says that Lida said, sardines and milk. Mm, yes. Mm, mm. Which, which he continued, we all know that's guaranteed to make a polecat puke. (laughs) (laughs) Love that guy, actually. He is something. My God. So there we go. Sardines and milk, fatal. Remember that. Yes. There is not a person alive, I don't think, that would eat sardines and milk at the same time. Oh, 
No, no. People eat disgusting shit all the fucking time. Oh, I know, but it's just the combination of the two. Because, like, I'm picturing him eating it like cereal, and I don't think that happened. There is. Like, ever. <laughs> oh, God, I didn't see it that way. Oh, no, no. There is a, a product on the market. You can go to Walmart, pick it up off the shelf. It's called Clamato. Clam and tomato juice. That's actually not that bad. No, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> that is an Adams Family combination. That's just as bad as sardines and milk. No, so that's you fine. Went they... Tomato juice, but just a little fishy. Well, no, okay, because they they actually like that's a sauce base a lot in a, like a soups, where they have like the the sardine oil with the tomato. So like that's not much of a stretch if you're weird like. I don't know. I, I don't think that one's a big stretch. Like, do, obviously do you want not a lot of people buy it. But. Do you want some Clamato? No, thanks. I'm busy drinking this dead cat and Sprite. Jesus fucking Christ. You keep that shit over there. You keep your fucking Clamato, your sardines and milk over there. I'm going to be over here eating human food. Oh, okay. I'm just going to eat my sardine cereal. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you, you enjoy that. Have fun. Have fun. <laughs> So, and then uh, Bob died, Robert died in October 1915 from, uh, he was diagnosed with typhoid fever, and he was only 28 years old. He also had an insurance policy, and that was 2500 so, you know, a little bit over 50000 in today's money. Now, did we talk about Lorraine? Lorraine is coming, coming up. Yeah, it's okay. just coming. Um, and it's worth noting that uh, she took, uh, Lida took both men's bodies back to Keatsville for the burial. Yeah, she so, volunteered. That yeah, was nice pretty much. Of her. I'll do this. I'll, do, I'll take care of it. Oh, thank you. That's so, so sweet of you. Oh, don't mention it. I'm a black widow. Um, so <laughs> she comes back to Twin Falls, and you would think that this would be enough tragedy for one woman to endure in such a short period of time, losing her brother-in-law and then her husband. Then, oh, what do you know? Her three-year-old daughter, Lorraine, died November 30th. Uh, it was said that it was dirty well water that caused some typhoid fever, or possibly one or the other. It was unclear, as were many She things. was two. She was two at the okay. time? She, she wasn't so okay. there were so many reports that she was a baby. She was one, two, three, four. So according to her gravestone, she was born September 16th, 1913. Which would oh, make so her in 1950, two. she would have just turned two. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Because I, that was one of my points of contention. I'm like, how old was this child? Because it was all over the map. Like, I had timelines that, that she was like four and... and um, Lida had already moved on. I had other timelines that she was the first victim. So like that was the one that I had to be like, I need to know. <laughs> yeah, that was that was how I was too, especially with this particular timeline of the the brother-in-law, the husband, the the daughter. You really want to know what the order was. That affects things a lot. See, well, I actually had it. The one of the uh, things that I saw most often in my research was that Lorraine died first, then Ed, then Robert. Yeah, yeah I saw a lot so of much reports that, of that. Yeah. It, and it's it's that's actually the, that's why Amber and I were both on find a grave because we both were like, oh, uh, and I was actually surprised that I was able to find them. I'm always I'm always kind of shocked that they're there, like even though this is a, you know a, a kind of famous case. So yeah, so the, the timeline this is all in the same year, which I think is where a lot of the confusion came because it was all 1915. Yeah, it's all so Ed, close together. I know Edward, the brother-in-law, died August 1915. Richard, the husband, October 12th, and then 
Lorraine, the daughter, November 30th. And I even saw one timeline that had Ed getting sick in August and then dying in October, and I was able to put that to bed. I think that was the one that threw me over the edge. Was I was like, no, okay, no. I've already got Bob dying in October. You can't tell me that he either died in August <laughs> or October, but nobody's really sure. No. So I went, and that's when I think that's what sent me to find a grave, and I was like, okay, I can clear this up, and now my OCD can calm the fuck down. <laughs> breathe. That is diagnosed, by the way. <laughs> I can breathe now. Um, so, uh, the Dooley brothers' father did have some suspicions, especially after Bob's death, but it will be a little while before we hear more from him about Polecat's puking, because <laughs> Lida was well on her way to moving on in late 1916, so a little, you know, somewhere around a year, a little over that, after her, she, her first husband died, she married William G. McAfee, who went by Billy... And she said, you know, Twin Falls, it just hurts too much to live here. There's just there's just so many, so many memories. And they're just bathed in this golden glow. And I just can't take it. I just can't take it, Billy. I can't take it. Take Damn me it, away. Billy. Damn it. <laughs> now, was it, Mc, uh, was it McAfee or McHaffle? I saw both. I went with McAfee. Okay. I saw both as well, but I, I'm going McAfee. McAfee it is then. I kind of like it for some reason. Um... Plus, McCaffle makes me you... feel. Well, McCaffle, like when you say that, I'm thinking McDonald's is selling waffles. Yes, and now I'm hungry. <laughs> so let's go McAfee. And it's spelled okay. differently than you expect. Like you, I, I had some some teachers in high school that was like M A C A F F E Y, and this is M C H A F F I E, and it's kind of playful in a way. I like it. Uh, I feel like this is how people from Boston ask for for my coffee. <laughs> McAfee. Oh, McAfee. <laughs> McAfee. <laughs> I love it. So uh, Billy took Lida uh, to Hardin, Montana, which is 550 miles away. And uh, that marriage, it was it was meant to last. They were going to, uh, to, to die in each other's arms, except, wait, no. Uh, he lasted about two years. He died on October 1st, 1918. Now, of- this is where I find things fascinating. Right now. Yeah, don't you? Death, death certificates. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I oh, just want everybody to, just to think about what was happening in 1918. Spanish flu. Exactly, yes. Go Spanish ahead. flu. And a very similar thing to what is happening right now with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. The death certificate states the cause is influenza and diphtheria. And diphtheria, that, I mean, yeah, that's a fun sounding thing, but you really don't want that. Diphtheria. Diphtheria. Dip, 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 diphtheria. Dip, 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 diphtheria. <laughs> but influenza, she used the plague. She used the pandemic that was going on as a cover for murder. Well, Basically, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of us could use that inspiration right now. Don't give don't, Amber ideas. Don't do it. <laughs> Marcus has so much to live for. Don't do it. <laughs> So one thing I, I uh, found interesting that I didn't really learn about until recently uh, was that the Spanish flu pandemic, uh, it only got named the Spanish flu because Spain was one of the few neutral countries in Europe during the uh, World War One, And so they were the only ones with an open press that wasn't being censored. So they actually were able to report, you know, nobody wants to in a wartime situation be like, oh, and also all of our people are dying. So please, you know, like feel free to take advantage. 
So they were the only ones actually reporting it. So there was a, this, this misguided idea that it came from Spain. But actually, it's possible that one of the first cases showed up at an army base in America. So You know what? It's, it's a good thing we don't do that anymore with this Chinese virus. Kung flu. <laughs> oh, God. I hate this world. Okay. So we yes. have learned nothing. No, no. And we we haven't. Have we haven't. This is 100 years ago. Nope. Learned nothing. Nope. Nope. Not at all. So uh, she takes uh, his body back to Twin Falls and buries him in the True Blood family plot next to Lorraine. Kind of, I don't know what to think of that. But um, now, okay, I did see two different possibilities for his life insurance policy. Either it had lapsed, and so all she was able to do was just sell the ranch, or uh, which, they, which they owned out there in Hardin, Montana, or there was a $5,000 policy. One of the two, which would have been about $100,000. Um, little... Both are correct. Okay. So they had a $5,000 policy, but he, he did not pay the second premium, and it lapsed by days. Ooh, I bet she didn't know that. Oh, she did not. She would have been a few days earlier with the, with the death if, if she had realized that. You mean with the yeah, totally he... innocent influenza? Oh, yes. I mean, with the, the Spanish flu, that would have hit him four or five days beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. So thank you, Amber. I, was, I wasn't uh, I didn't find that little bit of information about the few days of, of the premium. So uh, that clears that. But up. I, I believe that she still managed to get them to pay five hundred dollars. Probably. They, they took some pity on her. Yeah, she pulled the sad widow act. Yeah, and she probably said, well, he's been sick, so he probably just forgot to pay. And so the insurance company was like, here's 500 bucks, go away. Yep, sounds about right. So she took what you know money she had from the ranch and uh, possibly from the insurance company, and she went and she grieved and vowed to live her the rest of her life with him in her thoughts because he was really the, the, the true love of her life, except no. Uh, in 1919, she married Harlan Lewis, who, depending on who you ask, either sells automobiles or some form of equipment. So we're going to go with car salesman. Okay, uh, so keep in mind, this is now five months mm -hmm. after her second husband died. We're married again. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, that is a quick turnaround. Yes, yeah, she's Harlan, fast. Harlan was from Billings, Montana. There's one celebrity from Billings, Montana that I just have to throw out there. Billings, Montana, home of author Chuck Tingle. Nice. Perfect. I love it. This episode of Old Timey Crimey is sponsored by Best Fiends. So, hey, guys. I've been playing Best Fiends because I don't leave my house. <laughs> I, Me the, too. I'm the same. I've been playing level 150 for three days. I cannot get past it. Oh, you're so cute. All right, Amber, come on out with it. I am on 1,098. Okay. All right. You're you're gaining. You're gaining real fast. I'm on 1,220. I'm catching up. You're I'm gonna get you <laughs> right on my tail. And I, I, I want to talk about the adorable characters. They're little bugs, and they fight against the slugs. And 
Do you guys have a favorite? Uh, once again, I, I'm going for the axolotl. Yeah, his name is Pop. I realized I think it's he. Maybe it's a she. I don't know. Um, but I give you whatever you want it to be. Yeah, I'm ever so slightly starting to lean towards Howie because as I'm upgrading him, he's getting more and more dramatic. Bebert. Bebert is my jam. I love uh. Bebert. He has 3D <laughs> glasses, and that's all you need. Like, that is he's true. just adorable. Best Fiends is a challenging puzzle game with a story that engages your brain and is fun. It's a unique and exciting puzzle experience, unlike any other puzzle game out there. They update monthly with new levels and events. It never gets old. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. So, uh, he... His... Their marriage lasted about as long as her grieving period. Uh, they, they were married in March 1919, and four months later, he was dead from gastroenteritis complications at age 33. Man, she's unlucky. Except that Poison she did get... Through the- Poison through the gut will cause that. Yes, yes, it will. She gets the $5,000 from his life insurance, and then back to Twin Falls she goes. And in an interesting move, she decides, you know what? I'm not Lida Lewis anymore. Uh, I'm just going to skip back to McAfee and hide that third marriage. Just keep that out of the public knowledge. And so, yeah, she becomes, uh, she goes back to being Lida McAfee. Uh, maybe in an attempt to uh, hide marriage number three from interested parties. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe. It doesn't seem suspicious at all. I mean, if anything, you'd go back to your maiden name, you know? It just seems like, I don't Well, know. she's been out of town, so nobody knows that she was married again. Yeah, exactly. And... So she could hide it with that. But I would think, like, maiden name. Just just go back to go back to good old true blood that doesn't sound at all all dangerous <laughs> but but she was mcafee when she left and so she was mcafee when she came back she's trying oh to, yeah she's still grieving you're right that makes sense okay thank you it gets confusing i think like a serial killer <laughs> you really do it's not disturbing at all <laughs> so um she was working as a waitress at a cocktail bar no at the grill cafe She's renting. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. As soon as I this see no, this is true. As soon as I see working as a waitress, you know, on my nose, that's what comes to mind. Um, don't, don't you want me? Sorry, I'm done now. <laughs> I'm waiting because he was lying. Clearly. Say you, you don't need me, don't. I'm sorry, that song gets stuck in your head. It does, thank you. I'm very susceptible to earworms, and I, I say thank you even though I, I started it. You started this. Started this you fired the first shot. So she's, <laughs> she's renting a room in town, and she marries one Ed Meyer, who is a foreman at the Blue Lakes Ranch in August 1920. Now, they met at the cafe that she was a waitress at, and all of his friends said that, that her eyes would just light up when, when she was around him, and he always got the biggest slices of ham. You know, <laughs> you know whenever, whenever uh, like a starving man is on an island in the old cartoons, and he looks at his buddy and he just sees a hamburger standing there, I picture the reason her eyes lit up is it just looked at all the money that just walked in. Yeah. Right? And so she, she would hook him up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I got course. boyfriends like that. I'm not. 
Of course I'll give him the best ham, the biggest ham. He's got the best money. Uh, uh, give him the biggest chunk of ham because he can get the most poison on it. <laughs> well, no, this is still when she was waitressing and then before she had the ring on her finger to be able to get the life insurance policy. Yeah. Be sure to drink all your coffee, dear. Sometimes the poison sits on the bottom. I mean, hi. <laughs> <laughs> now, a really weird, interesting thing is, so I mentioned the man in the photo holding the giant apple earlier. Now, according to William C. Anderson, who is the author of a now out-of-print book that is considered the definitive book on Lyda Southard, and I'm a failure for not putting the title in here in my notes, um, Ed Meyer was the man in the photo. What? The, 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 Which would explain why her eyes lit up, because she knew right away. This guy's got big apples. Yeah. <laughs> I can make lots of apple pie. <laughs> Which is what she was known for, actually. Yes, she was. She was known for bringing apple pie to her neighbors and everything. And I'm sure that later on, they were really looking in the rearview mirror, wondering what kind of uh, bullet they dodged. Yep. <laughs> so, the, interestingly, they spend their wedding night in her rented room. And then he goes back to the ranch, but she stays at her room. Not really showing a lot of investment. Although, there's probably a decent commute between the ranch. I don't know. We don't, I don't know where it was between the ranch and the cafe so it, i'll give her the benefit of the doubt just this tiny one instance <laughs> and then oh later an insurance agent would report that meyer got insurance a few days after the wedding and he was just gonna get twenty five hundred dollars but he had to stop the discussion to go and consult with his young bride after which he came back and decided to go for the ten thousand dollar policy Oh, no. Yeah, he also bequeathed $12,000 worth of property to her. Aww. Less than a month of blissful marriage goes by. and they Actually, hold on. Time out. Backpedal. Sure. Because I actually, I saw another report that they were married August 10th, 1920. August 11th, Lida applied for that policy in Edward's name, Ooh. but was disapproved. Ooh. So she tried to just jump the gun and do it, and then it got denied. And so she needed him to get on board and uh, and do it himself. Because people in town were already, like, there weren't, like, maybe widespread suspicions, but there were a couple people who were telling Ed, you know, you marry her, you're not going to last long. Yes, actually, because... I mean, they were married August of 1920. Um, on August 25th, um, they were on his ranch in the Snake River region, which we had brought up before with the evil Knievel. Um, and she had cooked magnificent meals for the, uh, the people on the ranch. And the ranch hand, double, Ben Squires was his name, doubled over in pain. So did Lida, supposedly. Mm -hmm. And uh, Meyer got sick. And then everyone else bounced back, but he had to spend some time in the hospital. But he was starting to be on the mend until she came to visit him and he turned for the worse. And uh, he died. The cause of death was attributed to typhoid fever with contributing myocarditis. So basically like, um, oh, I hope my uh, sibling who's in the medical field is listening when I kind of... Um, thinking if i remember right that this is inflammation of the heart muscle i think myocarditis so let's break it down the prefix myo we could just google I'm... 
This is true. Well, carditis, so inflammation, cardo, and myo. So I know cardo is, uh, is heart. Itis would be inflammation. I am correct. I just I, looked it up, and I am correct according to the... the, the I want to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, but that was faster, so... Myo means muscle. So... But anyway, so uh, actually when, when everybody became sick after the dinner, um, Lida had called the, and summoned the doctor, and uh, she said it was probably ptomaine poisoning, uh, that newfangled canned food. Oh, mm. yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Your sardines and milk. They're not good out of a can. You need to make them fresh. <laughs> but, like, I, I'm going through my head, like, why is she coming up with these bizarre things? Like, so first she's blaming sardines and milk, which is weird and awful. And we'll make a polka puke. Yeah. And, and now she's like, it's that newfangled canned food. Like, she's just, like. She's reaching. Yeah, she, she's really reaching, but. It's amazing to me that in the 1900s, somebody referred to cans as newfangled. Right? Yeah. Oh, so uh, the life insurance, as we said, he, he had the $10,000 uh, policy, which uh, is $133,000 in today's money. That's, that's a nice chunk. Plus, she got the ranch. Yeah, and she got the $12,000 of his property, which, I, well, he was foreman of the ranch. I don't think he owned the ranch. Oh, maybe. But still $12,000 of his property, you know, that's that's a, a little over 133000 So she, you know, she pretty much doubled her money there. Yeah. Well, and this was a really quick turnaround for her other stuff. Um, so they got married August 10th, 1920. He was dead by September 7th. Like, that's less than a month. Yeah, that is, uh, that did not take uh, very long. She must have. Uh, did not at all. Been really tired of him demanding all that, uh, all that, the big slices of ham. You know, you gave it to me before we were married. I don't know why you won't give it to me now. You could give me bigger slices of ham now that we're married. We're exclusive. <laughs> why buy the pig if I can get the ham for free? Man, man. I hope that... No, that sounds right. After, after each one of my marriages, everything went downhill real quick. So. But, like, if you guys have noticed the pattern here, we're increasing... So we're, we're doing our turnaround quicker after we kill one and go to another. And we're doing the shortness of the marriage itself. It's escalation. Um, every it's, one of these. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Classic es escalation. And the amount of so, money is also increasing. But, you know, inflation. Yeah, but so Harlan and, and she were married for four months. And now uh, she and Edward were married for less than a month. So, like, we're getting crazy. Yeah, yeah, she definitely is. She, she, she's definitely moving a lot faster. Now, the mm -hmm. life insurance total from all the murders is said to be $30,000, which in today's dollars is about 400000 That she raked it in. Damn. So damn, there's a chemist. Well, and that's not including. You have to think if she if they're dying, she gets all of their stuff. Yeah, that's too. just the life insurance. That's not inheriting property and selling it, all that stuff. So yeah, that's just life insurance. She probably managed to rake her in. You know, at least you know maybe another four hundred thousand. She was probably pretty close to being you know a millionaire in today's dollars. So um, there's the chemist in Twin Falls. Earl Dooley, and he's got a he's got a relation to the Dooley brothers. He has some suspicions, and and we know that the Dooley's father, Alfonso, he was thinking some things. 
And so after Ed Myers died, the, uh, after Ed Meyer died, the county prosecutor and the sheriff, they put Deputy Virgil Ormsby on the case. I love your name, Virgil Ormsby. <laughs> and that, it, yeah, it really works melodically, doesn't it? It really does. Now, Ormsby. The name Virgil. Virgil, oh. yes. Virgil. And he had known the True Blood family for years. So he starts going through her previous marriages, basically taking a tour through the, the, the highlights and lowlights. And so he hops in his Model T and he's off to Missouri to talk to the Dooley brothers' father who says, uh, Alfonso, it's high time you people out there in Idaho did something about my boys. High time. I tell you, my boys were murdered, sure as I'm sitting here. And he was sitting there. So, and he was right. And he was right. So Ormsby, but he still needs to prove it. So he's go, he goes to Hardin, Montana to look into Billy McAfee's death. Now, the distance here is quite something. We have two possible trips here, either Twin Falls to Keatsville to Hardin to Twin Falls, or um, so basically, you know, kind of like going in a little circle almost, or going back to Twin Falls before going up to continue the investigation at Harding and back. So if it's the first one, that's 2,900 miles. And if he doubled back to Twin Falls each time, that's 3,700 miles, all in a Model T. I don't think those had very ergonomic seats. I feel for this man's back. <laughs> I feel, Man. also feel for my back right now. <laughs> I would thrive 900 miles and I would thrive. <laughs> Why did it take long? Never mind. I'm just not thinking correctly. Sorry. Okay. So. <laughs> Why is it one way it was it was more than the other was what I was wondering. Oh, uh, okay. I see. Uh, so he, well, it's because it's Australian. Exactly. <laughs> so. <laughs> So Ormsby goes and he talks to a Dr. W.A. Russell, who is the one who diagnosed Billy McAfee with influenza. And Dr. Russell admits, he says, I never thought about poison as a diagnosis. But when uh, when they came to see me, Lida didn't really seem to care whether McAfee survived or not. She didn't really seem bothered by the prospect of his death. Could you make it that he doesn't survive? That would be great. Be, I mean, it'd be a nice outcome for me. It's, I'm not going to say I'm rooting for it, but yeah, I'm rooting for it. Could you work, work he, that out? He's in such pain. Could you put him out of my misery? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So uh, from the discussion with the doctor, he goes to the ranch Lida and Billy lived on. There's some new owners there, and they let him look around. And in the cellar is a stack of flypaper in a wooden barrel and this stack is a lot more flypaper than I think anybody should need unless they actually are you know like keeping dead bodies in their basement it is about a foot high that's a lot of flypaper that is a lot of flypaper and fun fact that I didn't know until we started researching this case some flypaper has arsenic in it no it's not arsenic and old lace it's arsenic and flypaper sexy (laughs) Not really. That is always like the pinnacle of whenever I walk into somebody's house and they have like that roll of flypaper hanging from the ceiling and there's just like thousands of dead flies and you realize that thing hasn't been changed since since Do Barack Obama was in still office. Still have that? Like, is that still a thing? You can still get fly uh, like rolls of flypaper. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I've ever seen anyone with like flypaper hanging. Yeah, same. 
don't know. Oh. That might be something from the olden times, Scott. <laughs> My God. I'm so olden. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he also, Ormsby looks through some trash and he finds a corroded pan and he figured out that Lida had probably boiled the flypaper in the pan or steamed it or something to extract the arsenic. Crazy. Let's let's go over the You say crazy. Of... I say well thought out. <laughs> well, she got caught, so well, how well thought out was it, Amber? Yeah. Let's, let's she didn't get caught the, for a while. The most brilliant murders are the ones we don't know anything about. <laughs> let's go over the symptoms of arsenic poisonings because they are so pleasant. Uh, vomiting. Abdominal pain, encephalopathy, that's right, that's not the way it's pronounced, <laughs> but that's the best I can do today. Watery diarrhea that contains blood, thickening of the skin, darker skin, abdominal pain, diarrhea, heart disease, numbness, and cancer are from long-term exposure to low levels of arsenic. I wonder if there's somebody listening to this right now going like, Huh, I just got married and I have vomiting, abdominal pain, uh, whatever encephalopathy is. <laughs> I have it. And watery diarrhea that contains blood. Light bulb. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let us hope that nobody in our, our listenership right now is being slowly poisoned by their spouse. Yes. I disagree. I disagree because it would really shoot the listenership up. No, actually, we'd probably <laughs> lose one. <laughs> No, we would we would gain we would we would gain one devoted listener because we saved his life. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. If we did, if he if he if he heard it and realized it, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. he would he would be and, devoted and us then for then life. The, and then the news story would shoot it up through the stratosphere. Let me tell you about a video that I made for for a YouTube channel uh, about North Sentinel Island. Now, if you don't know North Sentinel Island. Is this pleasant little island uh, in the Indian Indian Ocean, and the locals there murder everybody who steps on on shore, like viciously murder. Yes. So I had I had this doofy little video about North Sentinel Island. It was only three minutes long, and then about two years ago, some idiot decides he's going to take the good word of Jesus to the people of North Sentinel Island, and God will protect him. I remember this. God didn't. <laughs> God didn't. But I gained 800,000 views <laughs> Wow! on that video in the span of a week. So, so thank you. If you're going to go to North Sentinel Island, please, please make, make sure that your boat's named Old Timey Crimey and wear, wear a T-shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll send you one. Just yeah. let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. We'll send you one. And then we'll point and laugh at your, at your perforated corpse. So <laughs> and speaking of and maybe a hundred years from now somebody will do a podcast about you speaking of perforated corpses <laughs> yep. on the night of april 2nd 1921 there is a secret exhumation they get ed Meyer's body out and there's enough arsenic in his remains to kill five men which she had already done anyhow so uh, <laughs> That's too much. They exhume all the other husbands, and they all had some arsenic in their system. And uh, they also exhumed Lorraine's body. There was no arsenic, but the prosecutor basically figured that she starved to death, which is very sad. God. Yeah. Uh, So, but now, Ormsby has the evidence he needs. He gets his warrant, but Lida... 
tricky little minx is on the move. He follows her trail to San Francisco, Mexico, back to San Francisco, then to Honolulu, where she marries someone, believe it or not. I'm shocked. I know you all are, too. Paul V. Southard, uh, who is a naval officer... I found a little tidbit in a newspaper article from back in the day that she'd also been to Los Angeles where rumor had it she ran into a friend of her family staying at the same hotel she was staying at and possibly, allegedly, stole a diamond from them. So, Jesus Christ. Right? Bitch couldn't help herself. She really couldn't. Uh, I love that Ormsby deputized his wife, or somebody did. Uh, his wife, Nell, she was called newly deputized, and I think she was also the warden of the, the women's jail. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that she went with him. To, they, they, they did this. This was a couple's trip, trailing Lida and finding her and capturing her. It was very romantic, you guys. This was like just one <laughs> date night after the other. I'm sure, you know, in between tracking her, they would have some couple's massages. But no, really, I love this couple. That's adorable. <laughs> in a crime fighty kind of way. Okay. Um. So uh, Paul Southard was actually a seaman in the Navy. <laughs> the seaman. And- he was a seaman. Uh, they met and married in California, and then he got transferred to Pearl Harbor. That's what they were doing in Hawaii. Um, so that is part of that. And then after they were married, uh, Lida tried to get him a life insurance policy, but he said, no, he's in the Navy, and they provide some coverage, and he's just going to go with what's already given to him. I'm sure the disappointment was written all over her face. <laughs> but I want to kill you now. <laughs> But you know what? If if you think about it, the reason that this one may have gotten to survive is because he, he didn't have a life insurance policy on him. Because she's escalating now, so he wouldn't have made it past three weeks if he did. That is true, yeah. And on May 21st, he also may have survived because she was arrested in Honolulu. And the Ormsby's take her to San Francisco, uh, where they meet up with Ed Meyer's boss, who is a big man around town, I.B. Perrine. And um, they, uh, he IDs her and basically says, yes, this is in fact her. And so she's held uh, without bail when she's extradited to Idaho. Now, the- that's, how, that's how you can tell which one of the potatoes is a prostitute, the ones that are from Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Yeah, I am. Bye, Scott. I'll see myself out. (laughs) You won't be here all week. Uh, (laughs) So the trial is coming up, and the papers are just grabbing this and running with it. The press is calling her Lady Bluebeard. They say that in a lot of articles, but what I saw more than anything in the several articles that I wrote was Bluebeardess. I've seen both, yes. They also call their flypaper Lida, which is my favorite. That is better. That has that internal rhyming to it and sort of a pseudo alliteration. Yeah, no, that uh, flypaper Lida is definitely the best. Come on. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> and then, a, yeah, that flypaper Lida is pretty. That's good. fantastic. Yeah, that's that's. Pretty I think good. that's what I'm going to call her in the episode title. <laughs> I, I should do Lida True Blood. Now we we don't need to go down that road. Um, so. <laughs> Um, now, when the trial comes up in September, of course, it's the trial of the century. You know, everything, everything is. is every single time that you, you, you only get one. So save it for like 1999 or something. Um, now, supposedly, here we go. 
Supposedly, the French papers coined the term serial killer in reference to her. Now, we've talked about this before when we were doing the Peter Curtin episode, The Vampire of Dusseldorf. Because in Germany in the 1930s, there's reports of it being the, the term serial killer or serial murderer being coined in reference to him. There's also a late FBI profiler who claims to have coined it while working on the Son of Sam case in the 70s. So it's really uh, unclear. But if, if so, if we could find proof of it somewhere, this would be the first occasion. This would predate all the other occasions that are discussed. So that's interesting. Uh, a criminologist uh, is uh, interviewed about Lida and says she's, quote, capable of committing the crimes of which she is accused, yet unconscious of her guilt. To which I say, <laughs> don't worry, I didn't do it on the mic. Um, <laughs> well, if you did, it's your problem, not ours. True, yeah. <laughs> so the trial lasts six weeks. Now, she's only tried for the death of uh, the murder of, of Ed Meyer. Uh the, the, there's word that it's because the evidence in the other murders is circumstantial, but I also think it's because they occurred in different jurisdictions. And so they do the one that they think has the best chance of sticking first. And if that one fails, the other jurisdictions could come and swoop in and try her for the murders that happened there with their like slightly less convincing evidence. So do you guys think that that's probably the case? Uh, I, I know that if I was trying to trying to pin something on somebody, I would at least put them in the place where I think it would have the best chance of sticking. So, yeah, I do believe that is the case. I'm pretty sure they did yeah, that with, no, uh, I, I think that with Ted is. Bundy, too. Like, they had they had a whole bunch of stuff that they could pin on him, not just pin on him, but, like, literally, like, he committed these murders. Um, but they went with the ones that happened uh, in Florida because it, it was the most, the, where they had the most proof. And if those was, ones hadn't succeeded, then they would have tried in another jurisdiction with other murders. So. Yeah, and, and this was, it was the most recent. They found so much poison yeah. in him. Um, and especially in, in a court where you're getting people to come in and talk about it, um, the most recent is the best because then it's still fresh in people's minds. So they actually, like some of the quotes I have are from his ranch hands that were there because it had just happened. So um, I, I think that's a lot of the reason why, because they have a lot of that circumstantial evidence of just people doing depositions um, because it was so, so new still where like the other murders now are a few years back. People have scattered, people have died of actual typhoid, like whatever it might be. Yeah. That's a really good point. The, 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 the newness and the freshness of it and, and having uh, so much more like witness testimony and stuff. Um, her parents did not contribute to her defense. Uh, to, to They didn't pay for any of that. Her Would you? Well, it's, it's a really interesting and, um, it's a sad but interesting quote from her mother, Laura, that was quoted in the papers. Quote, we have hoped and believed all along that Lida is innocent. If she is guilty, not all the money we have and could raise would save her. And if she is guilty of all that is charged against her, she should be punished. This is hard for a mother to say, but I'm sure our decision must be the right one. They knew she was guilty. Yeah, probably. I mean, as a parent, you probably want to have hope, but if you're not contributing to the defense, the, if you're not contributing to the defense, it's probably because you're like, yeah, I've been having some thoughts I didn't want to think for a while now. No, I'm a parent, and I have no hope. <laughs> now, I love, I love that a reporter 
asked Lida how she'd been so successful at getting men to marry her. Did you guys find this? I don't think so. Yeah, a smile. She smiled and went, I don't care to answer that. <laughs> and then, like, the reporter persisted. And uh, he wanted to know if she confessed to murdering any of her husbands. She goes, no. And then he goes, uh, did you ever feel as if you wanted to? And she goes, no, I never felt I was guilty. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> See, I actually, I have a quote about how she was getting these men. Um, and I, I unfortunately didn't even write where this came from. But somebody had said she would sweep the men off their feet. She courted them so persistently that they could not escape. Wow. Butt stuff. <laughs> That's how you do it. I'm thinking she had to give some real good head or something. No, like, no, no. Butt stuff. You can't. You can't lead a man to his death with head. You have to. I don't you know. Have to, you have to let him deliver some salami to the back entrance. Oh my! <laughs> is is that what does it? <laughs> That's what does it. Oh my! So uh, her defense actually was that she was a typhoid carrier. So you know, carrying typhoid, but asymptomatic, uh, and so she would just give it to all of her husbands. But you know, unlike say typhoid Mary, not to literally everybody else she had contact with. It was only people with life insurance policies of which she was the beneficiary. So convenient, and super the convenient. Prosecution fired back with quote: "Regardless of what doctor certificates showed, we have found proof of arsenic poisoning." What is more, all the men revealed the same symptoms, and they were not the symptoms of typhoid. End quote. Now, Paul Southard, he supported his wife. He said, Lydia is a sweet and fine girl and has been a wonderful wife to me. Anyone who knows her knows that, that these charges of murder against her must be false, and I know the evidence that will be brought out in the case will convince even those who are now against her of her innocence. And he stands by his woman... Till the last, I, I mean, till the first day she's convicted. Uh, she's found guilty of second-degree murder, at which point she, uh, at which point he files for divorce. And it comes out in the papers because for some reason he wrote to the prosecuting attorney to advise him on what course of action he should take for the divorce. What? Like, what? Why? Why is Damn. that the person you go to? Hey, dude, you were the one who uh, who got my wife uh, locked up for, for murder. So um, can you help me out with this divorce thing? Because, um, yeah, I mean, you, you seem pretty involved. So, you know, just uh, just a little help would be nice. But, like, think think of his position now. Okay, so he met this, this woman that he thought was just great. And then finds out that she's a serial killer. And now he's like backpedaling because obviously when she's still free, you don't want to be like, oh, yeah, she's a murderer because he's going to die. He's going to get suicided. So, like, he can't say anything. <laughs> no one no one likes to admit they were wrong, yeah. especially like people don't like to admit like whenever they gave somebody the wrong change, much less. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't think she was my I don't think she was a, a serial killer. I would have known. <laughs> Nobody wants to be that wrong. <laughs> Because that just ruins ruins your reputation from there on out. You can't, your reputation cannot recover from, I was wrong about my wife being a serial killer. Yeah, that is, that is a tough <laughs> one to swing back I, from. I feel like it's even harder, like, to recover from my wife. Not to be sexist, it's harder to recover from my wife as a serial killer than it is my husband was a serial killer and I didn't know it. Why? I don't know why, but doesn't it feel that way? Well, yeah, that's because most of the time they paint women as being, like, very, very uh, dumb and uh, ill-prepared for life. Especially back then. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were the yeah. weaker the sex. sex. Oh, we both went for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With no saltiness at all. Not None. one of I'm I'm sorry, I have the penis. It's <laughs> I have some in a drawer. Okay. Jesus. Um, so you guys want to hear her sentence? You already know. Um, her sentence <laughs> is uh, 10 years to life. So there's the possibility of parole here. Uh, she goes to Idaho State Penitentiary in Boise on November 9th, 1921. And I looked it up, and the current laws are... Uh, in Idaho, mandatory sentencing uh, for second-degree murder in Idaho is 10 years to life with parole. You are eligible for parole after serving a third of your sentence or if you get the uh, life sentence 10 years, uh, you're eligible for parole after 10 years. Some other examples just to uh, for compare and contrast.